You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. I'm Hamish. And I'm Scott. And this week we're touching on commercialisation. Scott, do you want to lead us in? Yep. Uh, we did briefly talk about this in uh, the planning stages of the, of the project. You know, you have to figure out which way you want to actually guide the project in the future to to accurately plan out the, the process that you might design by. But um, commercialisation is, is obviously the, a very important part of it. You know, you can do all the all the technical things. You can make your product and everything, and you get the marketing message right, logos, everything right. But in the end, you still have to make money out of this product some way. Otherwise, you know, as we just discussed earlier, it's it's much more realistic to go and get a flight somewhere and have have a nice holiday. So I, obviously, we're trying to trying to make money out of this thing. Uh, and you know, a lot of these products, you know. Uh, can be quite lucrative but they all have their own risk risk factors and some of the processes you're using to develop a product or commercialize a product uh, can be reliant entirely on a third party so um, I think we talked about you know the, the three different ways of going about it you know you can develop the product yourself manufacture it and sell it yourself online or, or through retail or you know on the street if you'd like to and trade shows whatever distribution model where you may manufacture the product but you use another sales platform that another person already has in place so say say um, someone's already supplying to BW and you just supply to them and they they use their existing logistics and network to just plug your product into their system of, of their sales pipeline that's the distribution model then you got licensing so licensing is when you might develop the idea you don't do the manufacturing and you uh, license the technology to somebody else who's got the manufacturing ability and the distribution network to sell it so in the distribution network and the licensing network you're you're reliant on finding the person who can actually sell your product through their pipeline and that's that comes with its own complexities uh, obviously selling it yourself you got a lot of control over it but there's a lot of cost involved some projects are just too expensive in their setup costs to allow that process uh, we, we're doing a packaging product and it's hundreds of millions of dollars to get the product off the ground it's, it's not a lot different to changing an engine in a car there's a lot of infrastructure in place um, that has to be changed so you have to rely on a third party with hundreds of millions of dollars in the kitty in their budget to be able to take that product to market so we are entirely reliant on a third party to make that product work through a licensing process we'll take them the technology along to them and the patent and it's solved and we, we, we solve the product and the technology issues and we hand that manufacturing process and distribution and sales and implementation and branding and marketing IP everything across them and we get paid a small royalty for for doing that in that situation sometimes getting through the door I mean really when you come down to it you've got your product you've got your marketing you've got your logo what do you do you have to somehow get through the door of that person who you want to you want to target and it's it's good to target that person early in the piece who, who's this product who, what's our most logical person to go and license this product with and generally you do that fairly early and then you can actually even almost customize the product that you're presenting towards that company you might have the same colors as them um, you might you know look at their culture of product range and try and tie into their into their uh, look and feel of the product uh, perception on the market price points all the rest of it and then obviously when you when you put that in front of them they're much more likely to take it up because they see it in their range but it can be 
the little things that stop you in this situation. There are we used to well, we used to employ a guy who was uh, a very uh, he was actually a, a professional commercialization guy. So he'd take your product and go around to people and and uh, present to them. He was very good at it, but one of the biggest hassles you have he, he's a retired since uh, since so we don't use him anymore so quite often I'm, I'm tasked with the with the job and with our own projects I'm certainly tasked with it but a lot of times the difficulty is getting through the door you ring up the receptionist for a big multinational and you say you know I'm Scott and I've got this great idea la 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 I need to speak to someone in the marketing or CEO role and uh, and they just will not get you to that person zero interest it's just another hassle, another person they got to, you know, if, you, if you're not a known customer, you just don't don't get the look in. So you have to be very cunning about the way you do that. You might um, you might do things like send a, send a present along that, you know, is a giveaway that has a little presentation with it that's, that allows them to come back to you uh, in some way. You might, you might do a campaign that puts information out there that they see uh, and you become, uh, you know, maybe a, a thing that they want you, you make yourself appealing to them so they come back to you. There's obviously issues there with becoming public before you want to. A lot of this stuff's done under non-disclosure agreement with the provisional in place so you've got some cover. I mean, you don't really want competitors to know too much about the product because even if you're talking to a license uh, of your product, you may still have years of development before the product hits the market. So you, you go and make it public, you're instantly giving that person that person's competitors a competitive edge to go and do their own thing try and get around it so that's where non-disclosures and non-disclosure agreements and um, early stage um, patenting is, is, is useful same with distribution you know you, you've got to find the right distributor the same issue you bring distributors and you won't get past the receptionist so you've got to Got to try and find ways of getting past these people. Probably have. Have you got any inputs? Because this has been a big blur from me. That's <laughs> I, right. I need you to get involved, Damage. Oh well. No, okay. Well, you know, uh, just just fascinating listening to listening to your yeah. You obviously got some experience with going to pitch. Uh, is what you were really talking about there. That's so, exactly right, yeah. can you give us any anecdotes? Are there any? Uh, can you give me any, any examples of, of the experiences you've had in front of an investor? You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but one of the most well, I guess I have been fairly lucky. There's only been a few. I mean, there's definitely a project we're working on at the moment, and there's only two players who we can present to, and neither of them I can get in front of. So that I, from day one, I said, "This, I've got an idea for you about how we can solve this problem. It's better than anything else in the market. It's very, very suitable to the consumer and the retailer." But there are only two retailers we can approach. For this project so I can solve it for you but the risk is very high in this project because of these if we can't get in front of these the right people in these two places and or they have a different theory about what they're doing with this this, this solution or this problem they have we're gonna go nowhere with it because there's no other for there's no other way you could do this yourself it's too expensive mm. well there was one way but it's very expensive so big investment process but I am still and it's been nearly four months trying to get a lead and an avenue um, and so what I'm doing now instead of going directly to them I'm talking to people who deal with them so stepping stones I guess you could call it so people who they deal with in this area other suppliers who already supply certain things to them they are going to be my avenue towards that uh, introduction 
So I guess I guess the same, the same as when you're innovative with your products, you have to be innovative about how you get in front of people, mm. how you can be referred. Uh, it's a really good way of getting in front of people is to be referred by a known source. Instantly, all the uh, all the stop gates that come up normally from a cold call go away. You know, if I know somebody's good at something, and I refer that to person to another person, that person is very very likely to take that supplier on because they're pre-qualified and um, if you can somehow pre-qualify yourself and it might be through a social media campaign or you know becoming a maybe becoming a um, like a uh, an expert in the field possibly um, a, a person of influence I've heard it called uh, if you can become that person of influence and the person you're trying to meet with can see that that advertisement or that media outlet uh, they might come to you rather than you going to them. So that's a really nice way of doing it as well, but mm. very hard to do. Well, no, but that comes back to the concept of tangibility. So uh, the role of a brand at this point, obviously, with what we're talking about in off-to-market is being prepared. A lot of it is just being prepared. It's being prepared for the next step. And I think in terms of commercialization, I don't, in my role, get in front of... Uh, I don't, I'm not there with a the client to pitch to people giving them investment funding to build things, but I'm certainly there at the point where they need to, when we've touched on this before, uh, for instance, getting a suitable name to go to those people. You can't just go to and go to one of these meetings and say, well, we don't have a name yet, we're just calling it you know, Prototype 5. That's that's useless at that point. You know, you've got to make show them that you've put skin in the game in terms of being prepared. And I think uh, one point I'd like to get across too, and this is, I suppose, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is part of the commercialization process, but let's just say, you've got your product in your hand, you've got 2,000, 5,000, 10 million of them sitting on your doorstep, you've now got to sell. Obviously the next step is to get those units, get those, get that product to customers and get them to pay for that product so you can start making some profit. What I've seen recently and what I've helped a client with recently in this regard is pricing. Probably not what most people would think I would get involved in. However, in terms of their message, uh, this person was losing out because the pricing structure that she had, she'd put one price on one product and then if, if someone wanted to buy in bulk, what wasn't taken in, into consideration was a pricing platform where there was different levels of pricing based on volume. Mm. Uh, because I had to explain that, look, if someone wants to buy, let's just say 200 of this particular product, they would expect to get some sort of wholesale rate. You can't look at that and go, well, uh, I know what it costs me to build one of these units because what you've got to take into consideration there is marketing cost at that point because it, it's, marketing always costs money. It's not free usually. There's some sort of cost involved. But if you have someone that wants to buy 200 units of your product, well then what you have to look at is, well, what have I paid for in terms of marketing? If someone wants to buy one, you can work out, let's just say with a social media campaign, you can look at cost per click. So you know exactly how many clicks it's taking for someone to buy one product. However, if, uh, if a retailer comes to you and says, look, I just want to buy 200 of them right now, the bonus for you as the owner of that product is to say, well, I haven't actually spent a cent on outbound marketing. However, I can give that person a better price. I should give that person a better price because I haven't, the marketing is in them agreeing to buy your product. They like it, but they're going to buy more than one. So giving them a wholesale price, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not actually losing out because that then becomes a marketing cost. So yeah. giving them a wholesale rate is a marketing cost. That way, yeah. And as soon as I did this for the client, 
we turned around, got a price list. So obviously if you want to buy one, it costs X. If you want to buy 10, it costs a little bit less. And you want to buy 200, well then the way we sold it to the retailers was to say, you will make more margin. So we weren't saying your cost, we were simply advertising it. Instead of saying cost per unit, we'd say margin that you'll make. Because obviously with most countries, there's laws as to what you advertise as a, an RRP, a recommended retail price. So what we were saying is, okay, it costs X on the shelf. That's what we have to market it at. Your recommended retail price will be will be X. However, because of the buy price that we're giving you, your margin increases exponentially. So it goes from the uh, with with the normal recommended retail price for one unit, it will say I don't know they'd be making two percent margin. However, if they're buying two hundred, we could sell to them that they were making thirty five percent on that margin. So the more units they bought, the better the deal it was for them in terms of on selling. So there's that side of it as well. That's all part of the commercialization process is being prepared mm. to have that conversation, not to simply turn around and say, I don't know. You have to have an, you have to have an answer for yep. that. Yep. Otherwise, they're just going to turn around like most retailers will do because it's a fairly cutthroat uh, world, retail, because uh, all it is is reselling other people's product, mm. uh, is they'll just give you a price. I'll say, well, this is what we want to buy it at. And yep. if you simply agree to that, well, then you've got no idea. Mm. You, you might have just created a very unprofitable situation for yourself yep. where you're giving product away and you don't want that. But you have to have some sort of idea to go yep. back to them and have a, to start a conversation. That's yep. what you've really got to do. Yep. So that's, that's, that's uh, my experience with commercialization is at that end, which is the you know, right at the bitter end, I suppose, where you've, you, you well, need you, to start selling. You did have some other points about selling. So what I might do is I just, I'll just finish off on the licensing distribution, like what you mm -hmm. need in those sort of situations, what you have to take into those meetings. Yep. And then maybe we come back to you and we talk about the actual selling itself, the, the bare bones marketing principles that you were talking oh, about sure. earlier, yep. um, before we started the podcast. Okay. So what I'll do, I'll, I'll just go through quickly um, the bare minimum for a licensing, you know, if you go and sit in front of a licensing company or a, or a distribution company, what are the what are the things you need to go in with? And I guess this is a little takeaway for people in this situation. Um, you really need some cover uh, from a, an intellectual property perspective. So I still do things with an NDA regardless of my cover because. Uh, and just to, just to clarify, an NDA so is a non-disclosure agreement or, yeah. or a. Um, a non-disclosure agreement and in that non-disclosure agreement I always have as well a non-compete clause so um, a non-complete clause a non-disclosure agreement means you've got a, some sort of tie to the meeting so I've, I've met with you and we've talked about this it's written it's signed off so that if it go away and someone does something uh, around you uh, or, or in line with what you're doing uh, by themselves and then puts that on the market you've got some sort of comeback to them legally um, a non-compete clause I put in there because sometimes, you know, even though I tried my hardest to make the most relevant product on, 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 that, that suits the market, I've actually had big multinationals go away, not do my product, go around my product, do a different, do it a different way. Funnily enough, it, it, it doesn't always work out because usually when they're, they're so busy trying to overcome your patent that they forget what the market wants. So usually my products are based on market need. So they go away, they do it a different way, and the market doesn't like it. So we had a, a situation with a multinational who came and did uh, a similar product to ours uh, in a different way, and it lasted a year on the market. Would have cost them probably two or three million dollars to do the campaign uh, when they could have just licensed our product, uh, and they, you know, it was a bit total waste of time. But that, that's that's 
well within their right. I, I couldn't I couldn't be upset because obviously at that situation I didn't actually have a non non compete clause in them, and I didn't actually have an NDA in place because I had a patent pro patent in place. So generally in that situation, that was a distribution uh, situation, and um, generally in those situations you're not normally needing to have an NDA in place because you've already made the product and all this. Licensing, you haven't got a product made, you're relying on them to make it, so then you really should have a non-disclosure agreement and not and a non-compete clause in that non-disclosure agreement. As far as what you need to go into the, into the meeting with, you need a basic cost of what the product could cost in mass production, so you need to know what the cost of manufacture is so that you know what the price point is because that's one of the unknowns when you go into that meeting. That's what they're going to need to know. You have a solution that's technically um, resolved, so it solves the, the functional and all, all the other benefit, all, all the other functional needs of a, of a product. You have to have a brand. You, have, you obviously have to have a, a logo and a, and, a, and a name for the product. It's important. It adds, it's not essential, but it adds to the whole package that you're presenting. It also gives you more leverage as far as your uh, intellectual property. It has to be highly refined. You know, you're talking to a multinational. They need to know. When you go in front of them, if there's any issues with it technically, or it just looks clumsy, or it hasn't been made well, if it's not, if it's a, if it's a printed prototype, really, really, when you get across the line, it has to be really well refined. It has to work and look like the final thing. Multinationals see a lot of products. They're very busy people. They're not willing to put any effort into your product. They're really critical of it. You walk in there, if they can find anything to put it down with, they will. So you have to have it totally refined. It needs to be designed for mass production, um, so that. You know, costings reflect you know the right price point so there's a few things that have to be done don't think you can just turn up to a multinational with an idea and get a deal across I've never seen it happen it probably has happened in, in time it, probably in the old days it may have happened before people were more refined but they see so they've got so much access to so many good ideas these days and so many presentations that the pitch has to be pretty perfect the product has to be pretty perfect the prototype has to be perfect and your costings and everything have to be worked out so you, you know exactly where you sit on the market and where that's going to be positioned so that's that's pretty that, that happens with licensing distribution is pretty much the same if you if you go along with a prototype to a distributor and say this is a product i want you to distribute it to distribute i will i will put the effort and time and money into manufacturing it with the tooling and everything if you put a if you want to put it on your range the same thing you have to have a really well worked out prototype and you have to have the costs because they're going to need to know if they can actually sell it. So they're the basics. Let's sneak now back to selling it yourself because that's obviously the other commercialization avenue. And, and Hamish is going to talk about the marketing required to get that off the ground because it's one thing to have a product in your hand and solved all the problems and have a market need. The other thing is actually telling the market, here's my product, you need to buy it. Can yep. you lead us under that? I, I can. It'll be in the next podcast. So, oh, okay. so <laughs> it's have got too long. We'll, we'll talk to you next week about that because we've uh, hit the 20-minute mark. So I think oh, people, right, uh, okay. <laughs> people want to take a break and get a coffee. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week, Scott. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick.